Grow Your Group Show, Episode 10. Giving you the tools you need to recruit more people, raise more money, and change more lives. It's the Grow Your Group Show with your host, Mike Cooney. Welcome to the show. This one's going to be pretty awesome. I had the opportunity to talk to Susanna El Mogazi, and she has started a Cub Scout pack in Kazakhstan. And it's a pretty incredible story. I know you're going to love it. If you like the show, please make sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes. It makes a big difference, and we thank you for that. If you are doing some Amazon shopping today, please go through mikecooney.net slash Amazon and make your purchase and if you want to support us uh, with a direct donation, you can do so on Patreon at MikeCooney.net slash Patreon. Everything we talk about in the show is going to be available at MikeCooney.net slash 10. There are some great resources on there for starting new units and things like that. So with no further ado, here is my conversation with the fantastic uh, Susanna Elmogazi. Susanna Elmogazi, welcome to the show. Thanks. So, so we're start off just with a little bit about you. So, where are you from originally? Um, I'm from California. A little bit of northern, a little bit of southern, but mostly northern. I grew up basically fifth grade through high school in northern California, and I was an active Girl Scout during that time, and I I I, I enjoyed it. Kept my nose clean. Yeah. And kept me out of trouble. Nice. <laughs> Doing all kinds of good things for the community and. So what sort of activity did community service, what, what sorts of community service, and what, what sort of other things? Well, as an older scout, as a cadet and a senior, we were tasked with planning camperees in our area. Okay. So we would plan all the events because, you know, Girl Scouts is girl-led also. Yep. Um, yep. We would plan camperees for younger girls. We would lead campfires. We would – we did we, – we made uh, story tapes for our Silver Award. Um, nice. Story tapes for the children's hospital, so the kids at the children's hospital could listen oh, um, to stories on tape. You that's know, awesome. yeah, no, I, yeah. I did not know. That's that's so it yeah, sort of passed as prologue. Sort of by the time you got out, uh, you know, if, if nothing prepared you to be a leader like you are now, this that did. So where did you go to school? Um, I went to uh, Walt Disney Elementary. <laughs> Don't really? laugh, but that's really what it was called. Nice. Um, it's still there. What's, um, what's the what's the mascot? Uh, the dragons. Uh, okay. Yeah, we were the dragons, yeah. Not the mice? No, not the mice. <laughs> dragons are kind of, you know, a little they're, more... They're fiercer, I guess. Intimidating, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I went to California High School and okay. Sonoma State University and got my business degree. Nice. So after so you get a degree in business, so how did you wind up? I know the next place you wound up was Texas. How did you get from California to Texas? Well, my husband works in the oil and gas industry. And okay. when you work in the oil and gas industry, chances are you'll do a stint in Houston, Texas. So Seems fair. Yeah. We, we moved our family uh, from San Ramon, California, to Katy, Texas, which is a suburb um, of, of Houston. The hometown of Roger Clemens. Yes. It's my one thing I know, you know, as an eight-year-old Red Sox fan in 86, one of the things you know, Roger Clemens, he's from Katy, Texas. So that's a place that exists. Couldn't tell you where Texas was at the time, but I knew that. So you wound up in Texas. So you've got how many kids do you have? I have two. So when we moved there, uh, they were three and ten months old. And 
they were pretty little. And as the years wore on, my son found my my son was in first grade in a private school. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted the scouting experience for him. So I found a pack in our neighborhood public elementary school and I signed him up. Nice. And I guess 18 other families thought it would be a good idea to sign up their first graders for tiger cubs in the same pack. So there were 19 tiger cubs. And after we did four or five meetings with 19 tiger cubs, we realized we needed to divide and conquer. Yeah. (laughs) Tiger cubs, I love working with tigers, um, but they are energy suckers. Um, You start the day and you have energy, and then whenever you finish it, they have. Not to mention, you know, most tiger cub leaders don't know what the heck they're doing. Oh, no. Most of them are first, most of them, I think, are first time leaders. Yeah. Uh, well-intending parents, just like yeah. myself. <laughs> I was never supposed to be a Cub Scout leader. You see, I was holding out to lead my daughter's troop when she became of age. I was not going to do it. I, girl, women did not lead Cub Scout dens. That was my my whole thing. And then I found out a I could. Yep. And b the need was so it was so pressing, and I was like, well, what the heck? Let's just go for it. It's been rather common for decades. My first Cub Scout leader, when I signed up in a base in a, in a tiny basement in, in St. Mary's in Putnam, Connecticut, was an, a nice lady named Linda Borelski, who I still get to see every once in a while. Tigers, you know, you do get the most new, well-intentioned leaders. So you wound up in Texas. You got a, you got a pack. What? How did? You, how were you volunteering in Texas? Yeah, I at first I was there was one poor guy mm-hmm. uh, named Will who stood up and said, "Okay, I'll take the tiger den." And he had been a Boy Scout as a youth. Yep. And uh, he's like, oh, gosh, but I'm going to need help because there's 19 of them. So a bunch of us moms gathered around him and they went, we'll help you. We'll help you. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. And it turns out the poor guy had back-to-back business trips through the entire, like, oh. opening month. So all us moms started to run the meetings. Yeah. And it, I guess I'm, I'm more of an – I was more of a natural leader than some of them. More of them were – the other moms were better at more of a support role. Sure. And I was the only one that was that was kind of like, okay, let's take this bull by the horns. We got to get this. We got to get these adventure loops started. And so we started to do that. And but we really realized that the boys would benefit more. Our own boys would benefit more from a smaller group. Yeah. But not that nine or ten boys is ideal either. But it's better than a one den of nineteen for sure. They need the attention. Yeah. So I got I got tasked with den five, and nice. uh, we divided them up. And I did that first year. I just I threw myself into it uh, with all my heart, and it was uh, so much fun, you know, <laughs> to go back through that book. And I remembered how much I liked earning badges as a yep. as a Girl Scout and all that, and how how rewarding that was for me. And I know that first graders, I think a lot of times the parents are more into the adventure loop idea than the boys actually really realize what they're getting. To be totally honest with you, but. I know that they loved it, and I, they loved it so much that they came back the next year into my wolf den. Nice. And um, as long as the, they're getting something out of it, then I was happy, you know. Nice. And, the, and their family, the, their parents became my friends, you know. Yeah. They became my family because I didn't have any any of my family lived in Texas, none of them. Yeah, found the, found the same thing when I moved to Maine. Now, like, the way you sort of build that scouting family, it's a real thing. So It, it really is. It really is. And you get to watch these kids go from being, you know, tigers and as they, they age and age and age. I, think I just went to an eagle ceremony over the weekend for we called Mikey, 
but you know his real his official name is Michael, but he was when we met him when I met him he was three. His older his oldest brother was in the troop. His middle brother was I think seven, and he was the baby of the family, and he just got his eagle this this, week, this weekend, and he's seventeen, and I'm watching him play with another three year old, and oh, it's meta. I'm going watching him go from being you know the goofy three year old to this impressive kid who built a string of free libraries, little take one leave one books, and all by his onesies he made that happen. It's kind of yeah. impressive. That is cool. So how did you wind up getting from now Texas? You would think there'd be, you know, you've you've skipped like six stops in your around-the-world trip to get from Texas to Kazakhstan. Adirondack. Yeah, Adirondack, Kazakhstan. (laughs) Well, we found out that uh, my husband had been selected for the position early winter, late spring of this year. Okay. And and I was very attached to my den and my den families. Um, that was our social life. They became yeah. our friends. My husband's poker group was all the dads, and and uh, the the women were my friends. And and so here I am, and I can't tell anyone that oh, I'm leaving because no. my husband hadn't hadn't been announced yet at work, and I couldn't tell them for, for a couple of months. And it just it was it was heartbreaking for me. But yeah. it's like I decided to throw myself into that last semester of, of scouting, and I'm like, these boys are going to earn their their uh, World mm-hmm. Conservation Award. And then <laughs> I started making all these great plans for them because I figured we might as well go out with a bang. Yeah. So we ended up having a great year, but then when I finally told them, you know, it was very sad. And um, but I figured I just watched my son with these boys, and I said, why why do why do I have to stop here with this? Yeah. So you wound up in Kazakhstan, and I think we'll get to the next part of starting a pack there, which is maybe the call. So you adjust, how do you adjust to living on the other side of the world? Is it you know? It's it's hard. You know, I I'm a, I'm an optimist, but I over I overestimated I over what's the word anyway yep. anyway I underestimated the sure. effect it would have on my kids. So they spent a greater part of the summer fighting with each other and melting down at restaurants and. All these things as we travel uh, from point A to point B, and then the time change took about a week. And yep. then coming to a new area where the kids hadn't come back yet from their summer break, so there wasn't a lot of kids to play with. Yeah. Um, it was hard on them, but ultimately I knew it would get better when school started and we got back to some normal activities. Yeah, some somewhat and, of a routine. Yeah, yeah, kids thrive <laughs> on, on routine, and that's all they needed. So once that's, once that school started back up again, it was like magic. Yeah. And they're, they're adjusting quite well. They, they love to travel and they have good time. You know, we, we just took them to Azerbaijan for a little mini break right before school started. Um, cause it's only an hour plane ride from here. Who goes to Azerbaijan, right? Apparently the world, the world scouting federation had just had their they conference did, yeah. there. The day we left was the day it was over <laughs> or the day we went was the day it was over. There's a big world Facebook group that you should totally get in. There was these like, teenagers going on there saying, vote for me. And it's like, I have no idea what you're going for, but good luck. <laughs> I'm rooting yeah. for you, man. So it's one of the things I got to learn more about. So you're adjusting to living in Adderall. What what is the biggest difference between Adirao and Texas? <laughs> Everyone speaks Russian and Kazakh. And very few in Texas do. You know, there's actually quite a few. You know, Houston is a melting pot because of the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. You've got expats from all over the world there. Okay. So I was used to people with different languages. You know, English second language families. You know, in our school, in our even in our pack. Mm-hmm. But to go to Adirao, 
you know, our, our, our camp is like a little mini microcosm of the United States. Uh, the locals call it America Town. It's a gated okay. community of townhomes that look just like any townhome community you'd see in the United States. It's kind of miraculous. But yep. once you leave those gates, the driving gets crazy and the horns are honking and the people are bustling around. And Adirao is not a super beautiful metropolitan city. It's, it's coming up. It's getting better, but it's, it's definitely a second world country. Yep. And you, you see the big squares with nothing in them except for concrete and maybe a tree. You know, there's yeah. not, it's not, it's not known for its beauty, but it's, well, yeah. uh, the people are very warm and nice. Yeah. Figure, figure what they went through. They went through, you know, 70 years of communism. It takes a while to sort of build up to normalcy and, you know, you know, just when you don't interact with it, you don't realize well, this is what this really was. Yeah, and the, yeah. the people in there, it's not the people, it's, you know, what, what they went through. I think it was on episode five, we had Irina from Moldova, from the Moldovan Scout Association talking about sort of the program that she had of how was scouting different in Moldova? Well, we don't have camps. It's like we ha- we just go camping in a field because they haven't gotten to that level yet, which, you know, they will. They just haven't gotten there yet. I found a camping store, so people must camp here. Nice. Um, <laughs> but we're going to camp on the field inside our village because I don't think we're allowed to camp. <laughs> I don't think our, uh, the company would allow us to camp outside the village, but that's okay. It's a start. So baby steps. So how do you decide, I'm going to start a new pack in, in Kazakhstan? I asked my son, I said, well, do you want to keep doing this? I said, mm-hmm. do you love Cub Scouts? And he says, I love Cub Scouts. And I'm like, well, gosh, I'm pretty good at Cub Scouts. And I had spent the last year informally in assistant Cub Mastering in addition to being the Wolf Den leader. And I kind of got a feel for things. I started going to roundtables. I started to absorb what it meant to start a pack, what it meant to lead a pack, not just a den. Yeah. So and organized den meetings and pack meetings and all of that stuff. So with that knowledge, I brought my new charter paperwork on my pre-assignment visit Mm-hmm. Handed it to the principal of the school, and I said, hey, when I get here in a couple months, I want to start a Cub Scout pack. Can you get this ball rolling by signing this paper? And he signed it spot on right on the right. moment. He, he signed it. He's like, we want Cub Scouts. We have Girl Scouts. There's not enough stuff for boys here. So here we go. That's a big step, having started a number of Cub Scout packs, is getting that charter partner buy-in. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. So you've got, you've got the charter partner, which is a big step. And then yep. what was your next what was your next step in getting your pack? My next step was finding more help. I had mm-hmm. a friend that lived on the camp and she had been uh telling me she had a son going into second grade and she would help me with the wolf den. And I we were just chatting online back and forth and once we got to know each other a bit better, her husband's like, "No, no, I'm going to lead it." Cuz she was already running the Girl Scouts here. Okay. So she she supports him by going out and buying all the stuff for the meetings and getting the craft supplies and all that. But he runs the meeting, um, which is great. Um, yeah. I like to see that dad involvement as much yep. as I as, as feminist as I am, and I want to say girls can or women can do whatever men can do. I definitely like to see that dad involvement. It, it well, they, warms my heart. They can do everything. They just, they just do it different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as, well, different. technically, everybody's different. We all bring something different to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things I bring when I'm talking to new, new Cub Scout people or new parents. Everybody here can do something that will help the kids. Yeah. Something. It's true. Um, yeah. That, that everybody can do something. There are people who can cook. There are people who have, have degrees in being a pastry chef. That's me. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'll tell you what. I have a gift of gab. So I yeah. often will just – well, this is a small camp. Everybody knows everybody, right? Yeah. And we have yeah. a little clubhouse with a pool and all that. And over the summer, once the family started coming back, I realized I couldn't do this alone. I needed a committee chair. I needed treasurer. Yeah. I needed, yep. you know. So I just started walking up and sitting down and talking to moms. And I sat down with two moms, and they were friends. And they both had fourth grade boys. And one of the moms had been a den leader for her oldest son a long time ago in um, in the U.K. as a, in an American, in, a, in attack. Yep. Transatlantic Council. Yep. So she knew about all this kind of stuff. And I said, hey, do I have a couple of debt Weevilos leaders on my hands? You know, what am I looking at here? And, and they looked at each other like, oh, God, what did we just commit to? And I said, you didn't commit. I said, please think about it. I said, but I'm going to need to know because I got to get this. I got to get this party started. I don't have yep. a lot of time to waste. And uh, they came back to me later in a few days and said, you know, we'd love to take the Weevilos den. And then one of the gals husband said he would be the committee chair because he likes to run meetings and send emails. And I'm like, yep, that's perfect. Yep. And then the other gal's husband said he'd be the treasurer. I mean, we're not even allowed to have a bank account here. So we're running out of a cash box and somebody's safe. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever works. Say that right now? Yeah, I, I, I mean. This isn't, being, this isn't being recorded. No one will ever hear this. So <laughs> the thing you did again was how you made something happen was you asked. And you didn't. Yeah. The thing that makes people crazy is they, they try the big, I'm going to ask the whole room. You didn't do that. You found people specifically and you thought, you know, who'd be good at this? This person. And you asked them. Yeah. Yeah. These two gals were involved in the community. You know, one of them was yeah. tasked with uh, running the, the, the welcome back picnic. So I knew she was organized. I knew yep. she had mad skills. And I mean, I don't really know these people, but here I am yeah. asking them. <laughs> To be my to be my new Cub Scout family, and uh, so far they've stepped up. Well, you weren't you weren't asking for you. You weren't asking to, you know help. Hey, help Susanna. No, they're it's help, kids. You know, they're kids. Need, yeah. So you had that sort of the motivation of why you're asking. It comes to it. It really comes down to why you're asking. I'm asking. They're going to say no to me, and you know because I'm not that impressive. We're well, not asking for you. So you got volunteers now. So how did you go about getting the kids for your pack? Well, we planned a sign up night, and they told me you know pretty much every kid here. Mm-hmm. Apparently they've been talking about me since I chartered, I got a charter uh, or agreement, on yeah. my pre-assignment visit in June, and uh, so there was a lot of buzz in the on the in the compound about about Cub Scouts, and nice. I I did a quick school talk. We did a they have assembly every Monday morning, and mm-hmm. I they said, does anybody have any announcements? And I popped up, and I'm like, hey boys, we're starting Cub Scouts. Tell your parents to come at seven o'clock on Thursday night and sign you up. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have a ton of fun. And they were like, oh, Cub Scouts. And then my son was talking it up at school because that's the kind of guy he is. I wonder wherever he gets it from. I don't know. I can't imagine where he gets it. <laughs> um, and that's another benefit to being a Cub Scout leader is you, even though your kid can be the biggest um, stinker in the whole bunch sometimes, but I call it leader's kid syndrome, they are absorbing your leadership skills. They are, they are watching you and they are seeing you in action. And it can empower them to do the same when you're not yep. there. Yeah. And I've seen it with my I've I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah, I mean I had a I got the stomach flu last Christmas around Christmas time when my den was going to a retirement home to give yep. cookies and sing carols and I was supposed to lead them in that community service project. I got a stomach bug and I couldn't go. I didn't have an assistant leader. Mm-hmm. So I phoned the parents and I'm like, "You guys just go. Y'all know how to sing Christmas carols. Y'all know how to pass out cookies." Yeah. You know, tell the boys to shake hands and make eye contact. You're, it's on you. And 
my they told me later my son stepped up and led his friends in these yes. songs and everything, even though I, nobody asked him to. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that, and um, I'm I'm glad I'm giving him. I hope I'm giving him that empowerment. I digress. No, it's all, digression is fine. People like digression. So you manage to get you get kids, you get volunteers, you get basically packed it going. Um, now you got to come up with a program and come up with some supplies and actually do something with the kids, right? We've got some challenges as a very multinational pack. You know, we are chartered with BSA, but mm-hmm. I got a number of kids that are not the A in BSA. Sure. You know, I've got a Scottish kid and I've got a Chinese kid and I've got, nice. you know, I've got kids from all over the world and most of them don't know the Pledge of Allegiance and are not familiar with the flag ceremony. Okay. Some of the parents, some of the parents aren't even comfortable with it. So, yeah. it's cuz they they don't have that where they're from or they don't do that. But I've asked them to please be respectful during the flag ceremony and they can yeah. they can choose to say it or not say it, but just stand and be respectful like the Olympics and and they're very so far so good. Yeah. You know. We don't have a lot of equipment. We my flags, everything's on my sea shipment, which isn't due for another 8 weeks. So, I had to go make poster boards of everything. <laughs> Everything's been kind of flying by the seat of my pants. I, I will admit to having done district committee meetings where the, the flag was not in the room and we saluted someone's shoulder. That's what <laughs> we the, did this with week. the flag on we it. Did that last Friday. <laughs> we, we said the Pledge of Allegiance to my shoulder because <laughs> I have my uniform. Also done laptop screen. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's YouTube of a waving innovative. flag. Yeah. Oh. yeah sorry. oh, look at that. Waving. We get a breeze near. Hey, if I put it on a tablet, you know yeah. the boys are going to look straight at that tablet. Well, as far as these meetings go, I I did get all the boys signed up in the second grade. There's six second grade boys at our school. They all signed nice. up. Nice. I got six boys in the third grade signed up, and I got all the boys in the fifth, fourth grade signed up. And that's almost, it's nearly 100%, not quite. I have twin boys in the third grade whose parents say they're too busy, but that's okay. Six, a six-boy den compared to a nine-boy den in Texas is a, is a good thing. <laughs> Small packs and and large packs, it's it's always the value for one kid, and you want to reach every kid you can. Right. And it's just doing a slightly different program for them. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wanted the – I'm definitely trying to woo them into scouts. They they want it. They want it bad, but they have no idea what they've signed up for. Yeah. So we we went straight into the the bear claws loop (laughs) last Friday. We just – I figured let's just dive right in, right? Yeah. Give give the boys what they want. Knives. Yes. Um, just, well, plastic picnic knives and bars of soap to start. It's, but other it's than a that, start, yeah. Yeah. Once the kids start seeing it, then the parents start seeing it. And that yeah. makes your life easier, too, because, oh, wait a minute. I, I didn't volunteer the first go, but what can I do now? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, having a pack in sub-zero temperatures when you've been living in Texas makes for an interesting <laughs> pack meeting uh, planning effort. I've never lived in snow, and I'm about to. When I was in northern Maine, it was 200 inches of snow. The second winter I was up there, and it, the first month I was up there, it didn't get above zero the whole month, which makes people cheery, as it turns out. It makes fundraising difficult. It's the season of no. Yeah, the season of no. The season of no. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want it. It's cold. Everything's horrible. I'm from New England, but I'm southern New England, which I refer to as a temperate zone. It's like, you know, the snow doesn't just hang around and stay for months and months and months. It snows, and then it sort of settles and melts, and then it snows, and it settles and melts. And up there, it just hangs around forever. Yeah. But, you know, but, 
Pe- but the people who are from there will tend to, this is how, you know, we just sort of, you know, you make the best. I mean, these people have been here for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands of years. Somehow yeah. will survive, you know? And it's, you know, and you've got heat now, you're, you know, you're building a right. fire to make, you know, to do winteramas at, uh, and they do the University of Maine at Presque Isle. The boys would camp outside, the Boy Scouts. We'd have Cub Scouts come and they'd do stuff inside. They, you know, they'd go in the gym, just keep them active. And then they'd go sledding during the day. Well, you know, just, well there's... There's no hills here. There's no sledding yeah. in that area. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like tundra. Well, it's step, yeah. it's step technically. But, no, we'll be all right. You know, we uh, there, we live right on the Ural River. Okay. Which is what separates Europe from Asia. So we can go to Asia if we want. We can walk across the river to Asia. And or we're on the Europe side. Um, so I'm hoping maybe we can get some ice fishing in, although I've yeah. never iced fish. It's a, you know, why not, right? Cub Scouts love ice fishing. Do they? Oh, yeah. I mean, any any sort of thing with fishing will be popular with Cub Scouts, but ice fishing is, you know, I mean, especially for kids who've never seen it, it's going to look like magic. And uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I've obviously never been to Kazakhstan, but I know in northern New England, they, you know, these people, when they, they take their ice fishing seriously, and they, like, they drive these little houses out onto the water, um, onto the oh, ice. Like- that. Yeah. yeah, and you know it's like a little heated cottage in there, and they'll just leave it in there, and they'll have televisions and watch football and be fishing, which is like six activities in one. We're fishing, we're eating, we're watching the game. It's a lifestyle. So I think definitely for Adderall, one of the challenges we face is the lack of natural beauty and natural. I mean, I, I know you're you're from Maine, and you know we my family we vacationed at Acadia one summer, and I yep. just remember it being just the most beautiful place I could ever imagine spending a week at. But here it's a little different. There are marshlands outside of town that are UNESCO uh, preserved. Sure. But getting to them, you know, you need, there's all this red tape and you need to have permits to even set foot on it and pay the government a fee. And it's it's complicated. Everything has a catch. Everything is complicated. No one's ever done that before. So we don't know if it can be done. But uh, no one ever did a Cub Scout pack. Yeah. And I'm doing it. So, man, if, if I if I don't uh, see those UNESCO marshlands before I leave Adderall in a few years, <laughs> I'm gonna be mad. Yeah. I'm gonna now it's a now it's a thing, you know. Yeah, I want to take happen. my boys on that step. I want to take them to that marsh and see some birds and some fox and some other animals. Yeah, I wonder if you could say, just say what you're doing. Sometimes saying what you're trying to do opens doors of oh that'd be cool. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of times you can get places just saying, we want to take our Cub Scouts there. That's awesome. Yeah. We make they don't happen. even know what a Cub Scout is. That's the thing. They don't know what it is. But it's okay. We'll just say boys. You know, we'll just say children, school children, you know. Yeah. So you're in the Transatlantic Council now. Yes. So the Transatlantic Council serves a good portion of the world. But it's Yeah. So can you tell me about the Transatlantic Council? The Transatlantic Council is my new council. And uh, they service. Oh, gosh, it's on the patch. It's on the it's on the council patch, which I don't yep. have in the office with me right now. But uh, um, it's there's multiple districts within yep. TAC, and uh, I'm in the Horizon District, which covers like the Middle East, uh, Ukraine, um, Kazakhstan, uh, Ethiopia. I mean, all the way down to Northern Africa and the Middle East. That's one separate council. Uh, I mean, excuse me, not council. Uh, District. district, yeah, and they've been so helpful in getting us getting me started. I actually was attended my first roundtable on on Saturday night uh, via it wasn't Skype, but it was like a, a Skype like 
yeah. meeting service online. But it was online. Yeah. It was video. You know, so I got to actually see these people. And we were talking about the, regist- you know, all the upcoming, you know, hike in the registration fees was all the, was all yeah. the discussion. It's, uh, it is what it is. Well, so. you, you, you want you want to, you want to make friends. You go to the meeting, and you're the one who has to break that news. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, guess what I did? I'm just. We, we have one scout shop. Yeah. And it's in the uh, vicinity of Düsseldorf, Germany, and uh, they're closing their brick and mortar store and going entirely online. I guess in December. So getting things like uniforms and awards mm-hmm. is a challenge. It's expensive yep. to get 15 Bobcat patches, which probably weighs less than two ounces. Yep. Shipped, the, just the shipping cost is forty six dollars. So we have to find other ways. We have some of our families. We have lots of school breaks. Um, sure. Being being an expat camp, people go to Germany on vacation. So I've got a fit. My my committee chair just so happens to be going to Berlin, and his hotel will take packages in advance for him. So we're yes. having all of our uniforms, hopefully our bobcats and whatever pins and other. Adventure loops that we anticipate the boys will be earning uh, shifts there so that he can bring them back in his suitcase <laughs> at the end of October. By comparison, there are people around here. We got to drive 45 minutes to the scout shop. Oh, come on. I oh, wish. man. Yeah, it's. You know, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, to the point where, you know, we have a great volunteer who, who basically opened up her own scout shop. You know, found the oh. location for. Oh yeah, you know she's great. So that people only have to drive 15 minutes as opposed to 45. Yeah, yeah, for real. So you know everything's sort of perspective. So you've got you know, So yeah, the Transatlantic Council that you're in. So there are actually two overseas councils in the BSA that serve American expatriates, and then if they take, they will take other kids, but not from the home country. So I don't think you can take kids right. from Kazakhstan. No, we don't have any Kazakh kids at our school. But there are, there is a Kazakhstan Scouting Association. It's the Transatlantic Council and the Far East Council, which serves China, Japan, I think Australia, and Oceania. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. The rest of the world. <laughs> and, and the rest, yeah. So it's yeah, like the, the end of Gil- the Gilligan's Island theme for the first two seasons. You know, Professor Marianne and the rest. So, Very cool. So you've got – so what is the closest pack to you? Uh, I think the one in the Ukraine. Okay. There's a pack in the Ukraine that's starting up. I think that one may be the closest that I know of. The, the Middle Eastern packs, the, I think our district commissioner is is in the UAE, the United mm-hmm. Arab Emirates. There's lots of there's lots of packs and troops in Dubai, apparently. Okay. Because Dubai is a very – multinational city as well there's one starting up in ethiopia um there's lots in europe all over europe germany because of all the military stuff belgium i mean you name it they're all over the place but the ukraine one i think is probably the closest so we're moving towards the finish line so right now you've got a pack of how many kids 18? 17 I've 17 got 17 so looking forward right now do you think at some point we might see a I feel silly now. What's the number? What, what's your what's your pack number? Pack eighty-eight. Crazy eight. Double infinity. How would I not know that? Yeah, <laughs> very cool. So, do you see a, a troop eighty-eight coming down the down the road sometime? I'd love that. You know, we have one lone scout on our compound, and Alex has been lone scouting with his dad since they got here, and he's actually come and helped us out with our sign-up mm-hmm. night. And if he wasn't going to Switzerland on the middle school trip that our middle schoolers do. Mm-hmm. On Friday, he'd be helping me teach these boys how to carve soap. Nice. But uh, we'll get him. We'll get him back when he comes back on another adventure for sure. 
but that kid, you know, he's he's moving on next year. He'll be going to boarding school. There's no there's no high school here. Yeah. So the kids that go to high school, they usually if their parents don't go back to the states, they go to boarding school. So if we do have a troop, it would be uh, you know, grades six through eight. Yeah. And stop there. But I don't see why not. Yeah. I, I hope I hope so. You know, I wanted to have an arrow of light den, but I couldn't find a parent to lead it. So I get, I get, a, feeling you, I get, I get a feeling you will. Next year, you know? for sure. Not worried yeah. about it. <laughs> it. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a building thing. I mean, right now you've got, I think you, it's always compared to what, you know, how are you doing compared to, you know, what you could be doing. I think you're doing fantastically. But you can always find, you know, I wish I had this one more kid, these two more kids. That you can name them is, is a little bit unusual. But, you know, right right now right, what I'm watching you do is fantastic. It's, it's super impressive. We're having our first pack meeting on Sunday. And nice. And I'm super pumped. This is the first time I've ever come up with a pack meeting concept on my own. And it's uh, it's daunting, to say the very least, but I think I got a handle on it. I spent most of my day running around looking for a bag of marbles which I did not find here in Adderow. Apparently marbles are not a thing here. So I found a mom who had a bag of marbles. I just put it out there on Facebook in our little community Facebook group. And sure Sure. enough, one of my bear scouts has a bag of marbles. I only need four marbles to do the game we're going to do. Yeah. So, but that's community, you know? Yeah. You help each other out. One of the guests I want to get later on is is the best patent meeting runner I've ever seen. Um, (gasps) Oh, hers, hers were, I mean, she's a, Cub Roundtable chair now. But, yeah, the first one of hers I went to was Knights in Armor, and everybody was dressed up. And she was had the full princess garb on, and they knighted their commissioner. The whole dining hall was set up for it. It was beautiful. And everyone, you know, it's like these were big productions, and they were themed things going on. It was beautiful. But Wow. So everything we talked about, I think I, I found about six resources that you used or could have used. So, and if someone is looking to start a pack, that will be helpful. And I'll have those linked on mikecooney.net slash 10 will be the show notes page. Great. So I will send you a link to that. And I just want to thank you so much, one, for doing the podcast, uh, twice, but really more for what you're doing for those kids who are getting a little bit of home on the other side of the world. And I mean, I think that's just so impressive. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. I, I love doing it. And um, hopefully they don't think I'm too much of a dork when I start teaching them the turtle song next week. So <laughs> they won't, they will not think demise. it will not be your demise. I've yet to find an eight year old who doesn't love the turtle song. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, you might get a parent looking a little bit like, what? What are you doing? Yeah, they all think I'm crazy. It's a good crazy. That's okay. Um, I am. <laughs> it spreads eventually. Yes. It's like, hey, yeah. this is fun. Thank you so much, Susanna. Thanks, Mike. It was a pleasure. And uh, have a good day. Or good evening. Right. Sorry where you are. <laughs> okay, <Bye>. thank you. <laughs> I will. Good night. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Group Show. Visit MikeCooney.net to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.